There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 18th, 2010. For the newcomers, I always suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, scroll down on the front page, bookmark all the other sites I have up there, because once in a while, actually it's quite frequently, one or the other ones go down and you have to go to these alternate sites to download the latest shows. So it's cuttingthroughthematrix.com.org.net.us.ca, Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca, and there's cuttingthrough.jenkness.com. There's also Alan, there's also Alan Watt, sentient, sentinel.tu. The Sentinel site, the European site, has all the same audios for download, but it's got the addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given over the years, which for, you can choose from the various languages of Europe, download and print them up and pass them around to your friends. And at the start of the show, I always do my begging act. This is where I rattle a tin can and tell you that you're the audience that brings me to you. I don't ask for cash from uh, corporations, foundations, uh, or CIA, or anybody like that. I don't, work, I don't work for any of those guys. I don't get money from the advertisers. The ads on this show that you hear are paid by the advertisers directly to RBN to, to put out this show over the airwaves and through satellites, and it pays for the staff and equipment and their bills, and we all know what bills are. So you have to help me with mine in that case, and you can go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com, see what I have for sale there. There's not much, really. I don't have time to do much more with all these shows and all the other things I do. So it's up to you to keep me going, purchase them, and you can also get a lot of shows for the past uh, about 50 to a disc almost um, at quite a, a very cheap rate. How do you pay for it? Well, you go into cuttingthroughmatrix.com again. You'll see you can use PayPal for order or donation. If you want to order, simply use the PayPal donate button. Send a separate email with the order and I'll get it out to you. From the U.S. to Canada, personal checks are still accepted. They're fine. You can also, in the U.S., go to your post office and get an international postal money order. I stress international, not the the green one. Don't walk out with that one because the green one is for internal use only. Get the international one. You can use MoneyGram, Western Union, Cash. Some people just send the cash and it does get through. Or you can, as I say, use PayPal. That's up to you. Outside America, same idea. PayPal for donation and for order. You can use MoneyGram, Western Union, and again, cash. Same kind of thing applies there. And for those who get the discs burnt and of the shows and passed to them to play on their CD players, you can write to me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estair, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P for Peter, 3, E for Elizabeth, 4, N for Nora, 1, P3E, 4, N, 1. And now that's out the way. Now, I'm going to just touch on reality and show you how things work again tonight because it's very important to 
use your own brain. I, I think uh, Albert Pike was quite right when he said that people who won't use their own intellect are nothing more than meats on the table and beasts of burden by choice and consent. And that's true, but we've also been trained to be that way. We've been trained, like Brzezinski said in his book Between Two Ages, we've been trained that the media is an appendage to our brain. It's there to do our reasoning and thinking for us. That's the trick of giving us an alternate reality while we're ruled by a tiny clique at the top who plan the future, carried out the future, as they're also telling you uh, they're going to do this in the future. That's the greatest trick of all. And most of what you see on the media today is all about that. They tell you they're going to do this. Meanwhile, you've been working towards it and implementing it for 10 years or more. Back with more after this break. Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about reality again, because eventually you catch on when you study and you chase the media and you chase uh, government documents uh, that um, whatever they're talking about at the top and giving out to the public is really a form of conditioning you to accept something that's already started to be implemented, sometimes quite a few years ago. And I noticed a few years ago, too, by talking to different people in the medical associations in, in the U.S., that uh, they were already really setting up the system for this new healthcare system, which is to go in line with the United Nations vision of the minimal healthcare for the entire planet. And that literally is what they say at the United Nations, not good health care, not uh, extensive health care, but really the minimal health care will be given to everyone across the planet. And we've seen what happened in countries across Europe, especially Britain, where it's an absolute mess now. They start. What they do is they start off with uh, your tax money is going to bring you a beautiful thing, whether it's a nuclear reactor like they did in Canada or uh, a gas works or something, a pipeline, whatever it is. They use your money. See, the state uses the taxpayers' money, the laborers' money, the, the serfs or the, or the slaves. Call it what you wish. It's all the same. And they build up these big structures, where it's road highways or whatever. And then they sell it off to their buddies. Now, that's the plan before they even announce the beginnings of it to the public. But they always sell it to the public uh, so that you won't be complaining so much about your high taxation as they build these projects. Well, it's ours, you see. The public own it. And they give you all this utter nonsense and outright lies. And, and right from the start, as I said, right from the start, they know how many years they'll allow it to be in the public domain before they privatize it. And that's what public-private's all about today. Same with the healthcare system in the socialized countries. They start off with good systems and very efficient too, uh, last for a few years, and then they start to bring in crisis. Crisis in healthcare is what you hear. And then they uh, privatize it and send, sell it off to their buddies. But now it's public-private. The idea being we'll build them up, you see, as always, uh, we, with their tax money, and then they go into public-private, which is a form of maintenance. The public will maintain the costs of it while the private part takes the profits. That's literally what it is. You see, slavery has always been here in one form or, or another. That, that's what Charles Galton Darwin said. He was quite honest about that. He should know being up there amongst the elite. It's always been here in one form or another. 
And when you think back through the major religions across the planet, down through the ages, even pre-Christian, they made sure they had the holy days for the, for the slaves so they could have a, a good booze-up or whatever they were into, a, a party time once in a while, maybe five times a year. And that's what they looked forward to. That was their little payoff for the, for the, for the slave, who generally, being kept simple, was quite content with that. And to train them that that's the natural order. If you want to rule people, you must try to get one generation trained that this is the natural order, that this big tall fella here with his tall relatives have the right to dominate you. That's how it all starts. I mean, it started a long time ago. And nothing's changed today, except, as I say, the techniques of control are, are far more sophisticated, and they use the media as an arm of giving fake realities and conditioning you in, in readiness for what's coming down the pike. Now, uh, the healthcare industry is one thing, as I said. Uh, so was the, the nuclear industry in Canada and the privatization that's going on there. Maurice Strong was brought over a, quite a few years back from the United Nations directly to Ontario to privatize the the electrical system for the whole of Ontario, a massive province, as you can well see if you look at the map. And he said at the time that eventually, and this is going to be going back into the 90s, early 90s, he said eventually we'll be putting uh, big diesel generators in necessary buildings and, and plants and offices. He said because in the future we'll be drastically reducing the energy consumption of Canada and the world meaning they'd be rationing for fuel and stuff like that. That's years ago, before they're... And what they're doing right now, they're on the roll to say, well... And they did privatize Ontario Hydro, by the way, as it's called, the electricity supply system. And here we are today, years and years later, going along the same route as they actually implemented all, you see. Austerity, cutbacks on energy, this, that, and the other. That's how the rulers... The rulers long after the facts of our, and the machinery is all in place and working. We were announced into the, the beginnings of it. Well, it might come down the road in the future. Sort of, that's how we're, we're kept in the dark. And here's an article here from Old Think News. It's a really good site, actually, uh, the Old Thinker News, March 18, 2010. And it's about the Department of Defense that churns out these reports for their visions of the future for the next 20, 40 years or so. And I read the previous ones it churned out and the U.S. ones it churned out uh, a few years ago to the general public to see what... Now, when they give this stuff to the public, you know it's on the cards. You know this is what they, they're implementing, not what they foresee happening through different ch- chances, uh, conflicting with other uh, parties or whatever they, they try to tell you. The fact is this is their vision for the future because in military strategy you plan the future, you plan battles, you plan long-term battles. You, ter- you, you also look at all the repercussions to the battles, what will happen within society, who will stand up and fight back, what types of groups will form, that kind of stuff. And then you, you, you find scenarios to deal with those. And this is all theoretical before they start the first move. So in the old thinker news, March 18th, 2010, I'll, I'll read most of this article because it's well worth reading. 
by Daniel Taylor. It says, in 2006, the United Kingdom's Minister of Defence published the DCDC Strategic Trends 2007-2036 to report outlining possible scenarios for technology, society and world politics. Among other issues, the 2006 report accurately envisaged a revolutionary middle class that would revolt against economic hardship and burdens of debt and described a future population implanted with brain chips. This is department, this is your tax money at work here. A new report from the MOD, Minister of Defence, titled Global Strategic Trends Out to 2040 was published in February of this year and extends the military strategic vision to 2040. Amidst the 168 pages of the report, these are a few highlights. The newest MOD paper, drawing influence from its predecessor, describes rapid changes in society that threaten to radicalize individuals who seek to maintain traditions and beliefs while in a global elite, while a global elite rules or sits above the level of individual states and influences the global agenda. Well, you see, that's already been happening for a long time. By 2040, the Minister of Defence envisaged a global society played with tensions brought about by globalisation and high technology exaggerates differences between the haves and the have-nots. The Ministry of Defence report states, the social tensions caused by intrusive global global culture are likely to be most acute amongst people who seek to maintain their indigenous and traditional customs and beliefs and feel threatened by changes. This is likely to change to an increasing number of individuals and groups, many of whom form around single issues that differentiate them from a wider society, becoming marginalized and possibly radicalized. Now, when they say this kind of stuff, they they know it's going to happen because it's already happening. and It's been happening for years, but they're going ahead with their agenda, so they know there's going to be more of it. See, these aren't just reports. This is their agenda. These issues, along with the public response to economic hardship, are driving the strategic vision of governments in the Western world. In 2008, the Army War College at the U.S. released the report Known Unknowns, Unconventional Strategic Shocks in Defense Strategy Development. And all these links, too, I'll put on my website, cuttingthroughmatrix.com, at the end of the show. Back to the article, it says, Widespread civil violence inside the United States would force the defense establishment to reorient priorities in extremists to defend basic domestic order and human security. That's like mass slaughter, in other words, states the report. The Western world has seen an unprecedented build-up for domestic unrest as a machinery of governance. Is that word again, governance? You don't have government anymore. You have governance, and it's global, of course, built for anti-terrorism is turned inward. So that's what I said at the beginning. All this anti-terror stuff was nothing more than a ruse to prepare for what's coming down now. That's why they built up the massive internal armies and security systems and layers of defense systems to deal with the people inside the country. So I'll read that last part again for those who are hard of thinking. The Western world has seen an unprecedented build-up of her domestic unrest as the machinery of governance built for anti-terrorism is turned inward. So that's an admission of why they created it in the first place. Additionally, the latest Global Strategic Trends report peddles the climate change fear that more and more people are rejecting as an excuse to impose draconian measures on their lives indeed. 
the Minister of Defence report foresees a, a move away from freedom of choice. Now, this is a very important part. The move away from freedom of choice to more sustainable practices in response to climate change. You see, that's the big, the big shill. That's the big con, climate change. Chillingly, the paper states, the developed world is likely to experience a degree of transformation as it moves from a consumerist society based on freedom of choice to a more constrained, sustainable societal model that provides financial and social rewards to encourage greener practices, greener practices, right, and discourage waste. Now, George Orwell said that those who own the means of production and the distribution of production, when you hear that, that term used, you're in and under a tyranny when they control the distribution of production. You're now going to start you back after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix, reading basically a a new Department of Defense or Ministry of Defense strategic report extends from vision to 2040. That's from, this is the latest one that's been turned out. And just before I go on to the global elite from the same report, by the way, um, I'll read this part again because as I say, George Orwell said those who have the control, not just the means of production, but the distribution to the people of production, then you're under tyranny. And that's what we're under now, you see. Well, you can't have that water, too much water. That's our water. That's the world's water. But we run it for the world, you see. Or you can't have that food. That's the world's food. But we run the, the food system for you, these private, public-private partnerships. That's what it's all about, you see. Tyranny is tyranny. It doesn't matter how they disguise it. It's always the same thing. It's always the same thing. And I'll read this last part again. The developed world is likely to experience a degree of transformation as it moves from a consumerist society. What you've been hearing for years now, oh, there's too much waste, too much waste, too much waste, right? Based on freedom of choice to a more constrained, sustainable societal model that provides financial and social rewards to encourage greener practices. What does greener practices mean, eh? And discourage waste. And what good is uh, uh, financial and social rewards if you have nothing to spend it on? It means it's for the rich, you see. Because you won't have much to spend, and what can you buy if you're not allowed to? Emergence of a global elite, that's already here. All this stuff is already here. That's what I'm trying to say. Whatever they, they, they come out in, in these think tanks, it's already been done. Long ago, actually. Emergence of a global elite, the state will remain a predominant player in world affairs according to the Ministry of Defense reports, but the emergence of a global elite, a, sm- a powerful network of individuals and institutions that sits above the level of individual states, that's nations, and influences the global agenda is also possible. Well, that's already been, it's been here before I was born, or, or your mum or your dad. While the report foresees the rise of a global elite, what a joke, eh? The existence of a global elite is a well-documented fact. So, well, here they are, double-speak again. They're admitting it on one hand, saying one's going to rise. One method of influence that the global elite wield is through large foundations. I've been talking about this for years and years and years. The parallel government, as Professor Carl Quigley called it, he was a historian for the Council on Foreign Relations. They don't report to the general public. They just tell government what to do. 
and they get things done without going through parliamentary systems of haggling. In an interview with the Seattle Times, United Nations Secretary General Ban Ki-moon was asked, some say the emergence of a super-rich philanthropies like the Gates Foundation has undermined the effectiveness of the UN and its member organizations like the World Health Organization. Now, I've said before, that was how they set up the United Nations to run the parallel government with all these philanthropies. And here's what Mr. Moon says. On the contrary, this is what we really want. Contributions from the business community as well as philanthropies. We need to have political support, but it doesn't give us all that we need. Non-governmental organizations that are run, of course, by the foundations and philanthropies and many foundations such as Bill Gates Foundation, they're taking a very important role. So why not uh, just throw away our governments and let these guys get on with it? It'll be cheaper, right? Because they're already doing it. They've been doing it for your whole life long. Foundations. In May of 2009, the so-called Good Club met in New York at the home of Sir Paul Nurse, president of Rockefeller University. According to the London Times, and the link is on here too, the meeting was so secret that some of the billionaires' aides were told they were at security briefings. David Rockefeller Jr., Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, George Soros, Michael Bloomberg, Ted Turner and Oprah Winfrey were all in attendance. The Times reports, over dinner they discussed how they might settle on an umbrella cause that could harness their interests. The Times interviewed a guest at the meeting who said that the group wanted to meet in secret because they didn't want their statements ending up in the media, painting them as an alternative world government. And what was all that meeting about? By the way, depopulation. Yeah, good old Oprah, the world socialist, wants to depopulate. The one who loves the people in Africa wants to depopulate. Yeah, that's why she wants to pay and get them all sterilized. In defense of this secrecy, the guests said that they need to be independent of government agencies which are unable to head off the disaster we all see looming. To be disconnected may be considered suspicious. By 2040, and likely before then, many futurists and scientists are projecting that technology will have advanced exponentially, bringing the much-anticipated singularity closer. The Minister of Defence hints at some of these possible developments, including the emergence of an Internet of Things, as they're calling it now, an Internet of Things, radical life extension technology, but not for the ordinary folk, and surveillance of personnel via mood-sensing devices. Computing will become pervasive everywhere in the environment, according to reports. The virtual networks will consist of communication servers linking individuals and objects. And I've got articles on that. Uh, objects are calling it now, and many of which will be networked through individual internet protocol addresses. Ultimately, as stated in the paper, it may become difficult to turn the outside world off. Well, that's the whole point of it. See, if you can't think for yourself, you're, you're a zombie. And even amongst those who make an explicit lifestyle choice to remain detached, choosing to be disconnected may be considered suspicious behavior. You see, if you don't go along with it, you're suspicious. It's like these movies, like they live and stuff, where the, the one person can see and they say, oh, he, he's a thinker, he knows. Get him. I'll be back with more after this break.
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, going through the nonsense that the Department of Defense throws out, when really it's almost like they've been listening to me for years because everything I've been talking about and explaining how the world really works is admitted pretty well in this report. Even though they're trying to say this is all coming, it's already been here. It's been here before I was born. And if you go back into the writings of some of the the would-be tyrants of the 1800s, and 1700, you'll find the same things were discussed even then of how they could run parallel governments, uh, secret ones running the real show, while the, the show for the public would be put on like a Punch and Judy show. And that's what you have in politics, isn't it? When the politicians yell across the floor at each other and call each other names, uh, while the real boys get things really done in secrecy. That's again what Professor Carl Quigley said in Tragedy and Hope and his other book, The Anglo-American Establishment. Uh, that's also with the Club of Rome, another private foundational group that really, as the premier think tank for the UN, said in their own book, uh, The First Global Revolution, they said that they looked at all the different systems of governing the public and they favoured collectivism the best because really they can get things done then. And democracy, there are too many squabbling parties looking for power. And that's what technocrats are for too, according to Quigley, when he said that they are the ones who work behind the scenes and really are the movers and shakers who get things done, and they're not answerable to the public. But this article back in, in, in the Old Thinker News concludes, it says, Furthermore, life extension technology will have a significant impact on global society, and initial access could be highly unequal and only be available to wealthier members of society. Well, what they're really saying there. You see, this new kind of wealth is through privileges, uh, a system of privileges. That's how the feudal system was based. And Quigley also said what they're bringing in as a new feudal system. Uh, the old feudal system, uh, you had barons all the way up to the big lords and, and so on. And you got more privilege with every part of your status claim that you got. And that's also coming in. So they already have life extension technology. They have, uh, I can remember that lovely man, uh, David Suzuki, who called people maggots. Uh, and the, actually the interview, that, that when he said that, it's up on YouTube. And he became the champion of the United Nations for the wildlife and all the rest of it, little furry animals. And he said on national television in Canada during a show that we now have the technology to make a person live to 500 if we want to. Well, why not a 1,000? They just picked an arbitrary number, you see. They can switch off the time gene, the clock gene, as you say. And that's old stuff. That's old stuff. They can do it. They have done it to some that are around today, still walking around today. See, we really live in the past. Our, our present is, is the ancient, is really ancient past in a sense, because the sciences are so far ahead of anything that you can possibly perceive. So I'll put this link up, remember, with all the other links to do with the Ministry of Defense strategic report. I wonder how much they paid these characters to turn out stuff that I've been talking about for years and years and years, huh? for the, for the, for the British War Department. That's also the department for NATO, all NATO countries, including the U.S., just to let you know. Now, there's an article here, too, on 
uh, about the panel. It was, it was meant to investigate it, the supposedly open panel, right? And I'll put this link up as well, but it says, The 9-11 panel was warned not to probe too deeply the 18th of March 2010, and it's, uh, it's, oh, I'm not even sure where the paper it comes from, the way it saves on this, this particular desktop of mine, which is a, a 98 computer. It says, uh, leaked info shows the 9-11 commission was warned against the, crossing the lines in its probes. Leaked confidential documents have revealed that senior officials from the former U.S. administration had warned a 9-11 investigation panel against probing too deeply into the terrorist attacks. In a letter obtained by the American Civil Liberties Union, the 9-11 Commission was refused permission to question terror suspects, while the Bush administration argued that by doing so, the panel would cross a line and obstruct the administration's efforts to protect the nation. They can do anything to you under the guise of national security. Citing the need to safeguard the national security, including protection of Americans from future terrorist attacks, the government officials demanded the Commission not make further attempts at conducting a deeper probe into the September 11 attacks. As the officers of the United States responsible for the law enforcement, defense, and intelligence functions of the government, we urge your commission not to further pursue the proposed request to participate in the questioning of detainees, the letter said. The warning note dated January 6, 2004, has been signed by former Attorney General John Ashcroft, Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld, and CIA Director George Tenet. The 9-11 Commission was set up in November 2002 to prepare a full account of the circumstances surrounding the attacks, which still have an air of suspicion around them. The revelation comes as, according to a recent survey, one quarter of U.S. adults believe that the 2001 terrorist attacks were fabricated. And I'll put this link up as well for you to go through. That's from Press TV. Now, from Wise Up Journal, there's an article here about global governance as well. And it says, An Educated Review of Global Governance by the, the 18th of March, 2010. It's time to get an overview with the new full, full-time president of the European Union said, uh, what, what he said was, uh, this is actually, it's got a strange uh, kind of reading here on my computer because there's different things that shouldn't be there. Anyway, it says, and 2009 is also the first year of global governance. So this is from the president of the European Union. It's the first year of global governance, and when major newspapers print articles with headlines such as the following, to name a few, such as Reuters, um, who backs the global financial transaction tax, the Telegraph, which says there's been nowhere to run from the new world governments, and the Copenhagen Climate Summit Plan for the EU policies, countries, emissions. In other words, it's showing you uh, the different articles that broke out in the newspapers. Um, a few paragraphs of those articles are worth a read, but first let's take a look at documents from the UN itself on this world governing system. And then there's an, uh, a link here to ISBN. It's, it's got the whole thing, the link for the United Nations article here. Uh, it's called Achieving Sustainable Development and Promoting Development Cooperation. Now, that goes back to the previous article from the Department of Defense. You see, they've been doing, they've been put, implementing this for years, the whole setup machinery and, and actually implementing this, this move towards greening and austerity and poverty, basically, changing from the consumer society, where you can earn by your own sweat and labor, your own shekels and spend it the way you want to spend it and buy what you want to buy. That's all to end, you see. 
in this new system of privileges. It says underlying market mechanisms must be supplemented by global governance. So they want the, the right to, to run all markets. That ties right in with uh, the ownership or the distribution of, of, um, distribu- of goods to all the peoples. The UN wants it. must be supplemented by global governments. That's all market mechanisms to deal simultaneously with the trade crisis, the financial crisis, and the price crisis. We need to transform poorly equipped institutions of global governance into more supranational type institutions. And the link from the United Nations site is on here too. It says, crises are great for introducing and updating big ideas, but global governance has been in the pike for a long time. In 2005, before the financial crisis, the UN held a summit on the coming upgrade update to global governance. But the planning goes back much longer than this, as we'll see. United Nations, New York, 2006, uh, full and protective employment and decent work. Uh, two informal sessions were held on issues critical to the follow-up to the 2005 World Summit outcome that have implications on how the Council will be integrated in the new architecture of global governance. So it shows you all the way back so it goes the different pre-global governments uh, documents that have turned out, and PDFs are also available here. World Trade Organization Director General Pascal Lamy, in a speech published by the World Trade Organization on the 9th of the 11th of the 9th, said, The global economic crisis we are witnessing has accelerated the move towards a new architecture of global governance. So they bring on the crisis to give them the excuse to push it ahead, you see. All planned. In March 2009 at the European Parliament, Gordon Brown, UK Prime Minister, made a very bizarre statement. He said, some of you will know that for many years I've advanced the case for a global Europe and for the economic reforms to make it happen. He said, and and it says the video can be watched here, the links here as well. At that time, it seemed one of the greatest oxymorons ever spoken. However, a few months later, the one world government, uh, global governance plan with the EU's part to play would start revealing itself as reality. And then it goes through the, the different articles about the climate summit and what they really did discuss there. And it's not just about greening, it's all about your consumption, folks, and who will be in charge of all your consumption. That's really what it's all about. The new managed planned society, including how to bring the world's population down. You see, the world's population, uh, all these groups to do with environmentalism, were pushing right up and through, through the 70s, the only way to, to save the environment was to massively depopulate. So they changed their tactic and, and, and to save the environment, global warming and all that rubbish. That was their next trick. Who are they doing it on behalf? Well, they all work for foundations, all these NGOs. They're doing it on behalf of the foundations that run the world. That's who they're doing it on their, their behalf of. They get paid by them. Full-time big salaries by the way, and pension plans and all the rest. These aren't little NGOs with tin cans going round the door. The parallel government, that's what I'm talking about. Now, who benefits at the very, very top of this? And whenever you bring up the name of, of Rothschilds, it's, it's almost like a wow or conspiracy nut because there's so much written on the Rothschilds and how they took over the Bank of England's the Bank of France, Italy, and every other bank across Europe, and how they run the U.S. banking system, too, behind the scenes through their various um, protégés. 
But the fact is they, they do run the world. And all the carbon trading I've mentioned before from the, the official sites, and when Rothschild came out himself a few months ago saying that it'll all go through his bank in Switzerland. But they're also into uh, making sure that countries comply to pay carbon taxes so that it all goes through their bank in Switzerland. And this article here is from the Hindu National Newspaper to do with their cotton plantations. Now, for folk who remember, and have been listening for a few years, they remember me reading articles where uh, the, the, the massive suicide rate that happened in India because they're all losing their farms, literally, because they've taken out loans, again, through the, the IMF uh, for their farms. Then the IMF calls on the loans, uh, makes them buy all the, the GMO stuff as well and the high technology, and meaning the, the pesticides that go with it, then they call the loans, and then they own their lands. They couldn't use their old seed anymore by different rules and regulations that they'd signed. They had to go back to Monsanto and the big boys and the Bayer Corporation, who were also into the GM stuff. Well, who was buying all these farms up in India? Well, guess who it was? It was the Rothschilds. And the Rothschild's wife came out on a TV show and talked about it too, how they were really wanting to help the people of India by bringing in more modernistic farming. Well, yes, you forgot to mention they were, they were buying them up for pennies on the dollar after they'd put them under. Great strategy, isn't it? You can't beat these guys for strategy, long-term planning. We'll do this. They'll, they'll fall for the mousetrap. They'll sign this. Then we come after them and take, you know, they lose the farm. That's real business. That's real business. Psychopaths work this way. They're great strategists. Anyway, it says here, BT cotton ineffective against pests in parts of Gujarat admits Monsanto. This is the first time they've ever admitted this stuff doesn't work on anything. It says, uh, New Delhi, for the first time anywhere in the world, biotech agriculture giant Monsanto has admitted that insects have developed resistance to its BT cotton crop. Field monitoring in parts of uh, Gujarat has discovered that the BT crop is no longer effective against the pink bullworm pest there, and others actually. The company is advocating that Indian farmers switch to its second-generation product to delay resistance further. Well, that's more carcinogenic than the first probably, and I'll, and I'll probably double the kill rate on humans that eat it. Monsanto's critics say that this just proves that ineffectiveness of the BT technology, which was recently sought to be introduced in India and BT Brinjal as well. Now, I've got another article that ties in with this again from a, from a, it's from the Maldives, uh, a bunch of islands there, where Rothschilds is actually put in. He's, it's amazing. He's in charge of all the money he's loaning them to bring in green technology. His wife's in charge of it through another corporation. Uh, so they loan the money out to these little countries to ensure that they install the stuff. They've got to buy it from the Rothschilds who own a lot of this so-called green technology and his wife's in charge of collecting the carbon taxes. I'm not kidding. So they'll go through his bank. These, are official, these, these aren't uh, conspiracy sites. They're not tying in UFOs and walking reptiles or, or, or royalty that wears alligator shoes. These are these are regular sites. No nonsense here. No nonsense here. And here's the one from it that again it's from the Hindu. I'll put this link up. Maldives signs new pact to cut carbon emissions. 
the government of the Maldives and La Capaine Benjamin de Rothschild have agreed a strategic partnership to take forward the country's pledge to become carbon neutral by 2020. An email announcement by the Maldivian President Secretariat said under the agreement CTBR will be mandated to secure international finance to fund a carbon footprint audit and master plan for the Maldives. Once funding is secured, B-Citizen, another corporation, right? That's his wife who runs that. Rothschilds, that is his wife, will undertake a two-month assessment of the Maldives' carbon footprint, detailing emissions from all sectors of the economy, including transport, housing, tourism, energy production, and waste management. That's everything, including the food. The statement said that the pact was signed on Monday during a meeting between President Nasheed and Baron Benjamin and Baroness Ariane de Rothschild at Chateau de Pregnay, the Rothschild's Geneva residence. Environmental Minister Mohammed Islam signed the agreement on behalf of the Maldives. Baron Benjamin de Rothschild signed on behalf of CTBR and Baroness Ariane de Rothschild signed on behalf of B-Citizen, the Rothschild's environmental advisory arm. What a deal, eh? What a deal when you're way up yonder and you dictate to countries and groups of islands and all the rest of it what you must do so that you rule their entire lives from birth to death. And they'll pay and pay and pay to be alive. And where's it all go? For every breath you take will be paid to the Rothschild's private bank. Thanks to Al Gore and Mr. Rothschild with the big bank in Switzerland. Slavery is truly established, re-established itself, and now it's bringing back the old face, not the little pampered one we are allowed to keep a few pennies and shekels to buy little goodies that they dangle in front of you, made by the same, or companies that were owned by the same characters. It's alive and well. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Now there's a caller on the line, Johnny from British Columbia, Canada. Are you there, Johnny? Yes. Hi, Alan. Hello. Hi. I'm calling from Victoria. And uh, what disturbs me most, um, more than anything else, really, is is the chemtrails, all all the aerosol spraying going on. It's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible. I, I watched it for the last two weeks. I lost my voice three times. You're dead on. It's, it starts off with a blue sky in the morning here. And because I'm at the top of the jet stream, it loops right here. They doze it heavily, so it carries it all the way down to Buffalo and to New York. So I get a lot of stuff here. And sometimes there's a dozen planes. And by the time the afternoon comes, it's just an eggshell mush. So and continue. I, I look yeah. on the, the weather the weather channel, and it shows like a sun with no clouds, right? And I'm like... Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I leave work today and my colleague's like, oh, enjoy the sun out. And I'm like, can't you see there is no blue sky out there? It's just haze. Yes. Um, and it's just almost day after day, like maybe, you know, a couple days a month there there won't be any spring. But it's it seems mm-hmm. like it, it's incessant. And my question to you is, um, what do you think are the main purposes behind the spring? Like I've heard, like, you know, that it could be multi-purpose, like weather modification or that it could be you know, used like for mind control or that 
um, mm-hmm. used to, you know, bring our immune system down? Like, what's your, what's your? Well, one thing is for sure, absolutely positive. It, it will destroy your immune system because these are chemicals, and I've had them tested here when I had the yellow rain. They actually gave me yellow rain one day, or for a, a weekend it was, and uh, there, there was barium in it, uh, highly carcinogenic stuff, uh, aluminum oxide. Arsenic, traces of arsenic too, and various other things like that, different metals and compounds. So that stuff leaches through, uh, out your system when you urinate. It takes a lot of your natural electrolytes and chemicals with it, and you become depleted in certain areas. Everyone's completely de- depleted now uh, in blood tests when it comes to vitamin D and various other things as well, and zinc. Very, very low in zinc. Zinc is essential for a good health system. Everyone's depleted, and I get that from guys in the labs and so on. So that's a fact. They all know this at the top. But it, it also ties in with weather modification, absolutely. It also ties in with um, Brzezinski's mind control, technotronic weaponry, because you go back to, to the age of Teller with the H-bomb. He presented it to the Pentagon, how to spray the, the skies with barium, aluminum oxide, to make it more um, conductive to harp technology. And they knew that a secondary um, signal put on top, piggybacking on the main harp uh, uh, signal could actually influence human behavior, make you very passive or aggressive. And they tested that out, out on the people of Maine. There was a, lo- a lawsuit came in after a lot of destruction went on. When they got them aggressive, they tried the aggressive frequency. And even uh, domestic animals were biting their masters. Cows were going crazy and the suicide rate shot up. Um, so that's a, these are facts. These aren't, aren't, aren't theories or guesses. These are facts. Uh, so it can do all of those things, but it also definitely dumbs us down. If people today don't complain about anything at all, they're walking zombies. Um, and Brzezinski did talk about that in, in his own book, The Technotronic Era. He was uh, up there with the NSA, the head of it at one point, National Security Agency. They deal with all the electronic warfare technology as well as listening devices and he wrote about it in his own book. Bertrand Russell also backed that up, saying shortly away will be taught, uh, used on the public, where they'll come to decisions and be completely unaware of how they come to them and, or how their moods are affected. Uh, this is in place now. And, and it's so funny, on one level you have uh, meetings in California recently with scientists talking about geoengineering in the future, and outside the guys are protesting about the geoengineering that's already going on for the last 12 years. So they've already been doing all this stuff. Different levels of reality, even for the professors. From Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.